3: You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Congrats to the Vegas Golden Knights. In their sixth season of existence, they win the Stanley Cup. Vegas scored 26 goals in the Stanley Cup Final. That's the most by any team since the 1991 Pittsburgh Penguins. And matching the 1981 New York Islanders for the most in a five-game series in the final. Stat of the Day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. They had nine goals on 31 shots. That seems high percentage. It does. It felt like there was more scoring this year, or at least in the playoffs. I don't know the number of goals scored or the average number of goals scored per game. Yes, Todd? It
2: also felt, at least last night, that Vegas was on a power play for the entire game. <laughs> there was at least one more player on the ice for
3: them. They might have been. I like, you know, when we have guys who have injuries and we're like, you know, that guy's bothered by, uh, you know, he tweaked his ankle or this guy's got a, you know, hurt finger. He, or Matt Kachuk, uh, he has a broken sternum Wow, and still played. But uh, I, I almost said his dad, Keith Kachuk. <laughs> That's how old I am. I remember when uh, he was playing. But uh, Matthew Kachuk, he had a uh, broken sternum. He still came back to play. I don't know what injury you can have in hockey where you don't come back, where you, know, you your teammates realize, now he's not going to be able to come back. Now, maybe a concussion, maybe, but uh, they would somehow hide that. You know, the, the one uh, hockey player who had, but they lost track of how many stitches he had above his eye. I think they stopped at 80, but uh, he still came out and played. (laughs) You know, if you're a hockey player and you get hurt, you're like, God, my teammate's going to be so disappointed. I mean, I got a broken leg, but it's not that bad. It's broken anyway. You might as well get a shift in.
1: (laughs) Can can you guys ever remember a, a final sporting event like Super Bowl, any title event where it felt over earlier? When the end of the second period, pe- fans were taking pictures and like starting to celebrate. At the end of the second, yeah, period. like twenty-eight to three, the Falcons and
3: the Patriots <laughs> felt like it was over. I still love when you know NFL films captured some of the Falcons and they were talking trash like the game is over. And then there's one player saying, "Hey, Tom Brady's out there. Don't start celebrating." <laughs> yes, Edan. It feels
4: like college football national championships could have where it gets real ugly real early. Uh, yeah, Alabama-Notre Dame comes Ooh, to mind, where it was like, yeah. okay, this is big brothers versus little brothers yeah. here. This isn't going to work.
1: It called over during the national anthem. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah.
3: All right, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks won an NBA title in their third season. The Arizona Diamondbacks in 01 with uh, Big Unit and Curt Schilling. They won the World Series in their fourth season. The Marlins were in their fifth season in 1997. So here they are, their fifth season, and they're facing the Cleveland Indians, the Indians at the time, and uh, the Indians lose in dramatic fashion. Edmonton Oilers, fifth season. That was 1983. The Baltimore Ravens, fifth season. They were technically an expansion team, but actually that was the relocated Browns, uh, though they had to leave their nickname in the history in Cleveland. That one doesn't count. Ravens not an expansion team, uh, and then the Golden Knights their sixth season. Who's next? The Guardians, the Lions, or is it going to be somebody like you know the Kraken are going to end up uh, going to Stanley Cup final in their what third or fourth season? Yeah, Paul.
1: I don't think I remember the Cleveland Indians lost that one in eleven innings.
3: Yeah, dramatic to, to the fashion. The yes.
1: Oh, and then the, the same thing to the Cubs. Yes,
3: dramatic fashion.
1: They have to be the one seed for the American sports franchise
3: because they've been close the lions haven't been close right
1: as the, far as like everyone would get behind their cause
3: would people get behind the clippers would people get behind the padres i think they would get behind the lions i think well maybe they would get behind the guardians that that'd be one of those that the story would start to build but the name change hurts that definitely hurts yeah Man, the long-suffering Guardian family fans. It's almost like that resets the clock, in a way. Yeah, yeah. So it's over.
1: Yeah. Like, they're over the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> Who else would be up there?
3: Clippers, Guardians,
1: Lions, Paulie? Here's one, and this is controversial. The Browns are I, off. This.
3: Okay, I was going to say the Browns. The
1: Browns would have been. They made movies about the Browns' stinking draft day and stuff like that, but I really believe that Deshaun Watson has... Almost put the Browns on hold as a rootable franchise, rootable okay. for franchise. Yeah. He is yeah. his baggage has made them off the board as far as people are rooting for them. Yeah. Nationally.
3: Yeah, I could see that. Uh who else would be in there? But the Browns were great in the sixties. You know, pre Super Bowl, they were great. And then the Packers became great and then won the first two Super Bowls. So you forget about the Cleveland Browns in the uh Early 60s to mid 60s. And then Green Bay with Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr, they came in, took the first two Super Bowls. It's like the pre Super Bowl era, Cleveland was a, a dominant franchise. Yes,
1: Bong. The Lions seem to have the perfect mix. They got a quarterback who was jettisoned by the Rams, and he's like getting back into football with Jared Goff.
3: And they love to gamble. Yep. They, yes. They, they, they oh. love to gamble. They're like us. They love to gamble.
1: They've got the right coach for sound bites. The, the Lions
3: team. yeah he's yeah, very Dan Campbell yeah sure sure
1: Lions are a one seed
3: see I, I worry about the Lions this year last year I thought they were a playoff team this year they have expectations I think that's the problem sometimes Florida Panthers no expectations this year had a wonderful year I don't know if the Golden Knights had expectations that always ha- Denver Nuggets even though they were the one seed. I don't know what the I don't know if people thought, okay, the Nuggets. What were the preseason odds on the Nuggets? Were they even in the top they weren't top five, I don't think, to win the title. I have to believe they were probably eight, seven or eight. Yeah, Paul.
1: Yeah, you're right on. they they were eighth to win the title. Celtics Warriors, there's favorites to win the NBA preseason. Uh Celtics Warriors, Bucks, Nets, <laughs> Clippers, Suns, Sixers, Heat. Uh, Heat were above the Nuggets before the season. Okay. Just a touch.
3: And by the way, Nuggets fans, you can take your victory lap and say nobody believed in us. Go ahead. Yeah. You can say it to the media. You can say it to NBA fans. Nobody believed in you, and you have every right to say that if you want to. Factually, correct. Now, I would prefer you didn't because just take your championship. That's how you shut everybody up. You don't have to tell everybody you didn't believe in it. But if you want to, you can. But you won the title, so you are saying, hey, nobody believed in us, because you would be correct. Also, we've been trying to find a comp for the Joker. Like, who does he play like? Like, who is he uh, in a previous generation? Oh, is he Tim Duncan? Is he, uh, you know, Rex Chapman said he's a seven-foot Steve Nash, which I found very interesting. I have a comparison for Nikola Jokic.
1: Are we playing guess that comp? Yes.
3: Not a basketball
1: player. Okay. Yeah. So this is someone who makes everyone around them better.
3: No, it's okay. just, I I thought of this guy, and I'm thinking, he reminds me of Nikola Jokic. He's an athlete. Uh-huh. He's big. He's great. Oh. Uh-huh. Football player? He's funny. The like in, Kelsey in, Bros. In, in, a, in a unique way. So it might be more. Oh, we got theme music. For guests, the Joker comp. Okay. Let me see if I can give you hints. Uh, great backstory. Has a brother. Also competes. Yeah, Paulie?
1: Travis Kelsey?
3: Nope. Not one of the main sports. Not oh. not baseball, football, basketball. For some reason, I thought of this guy and I go, he reminds me of Nikola Jokic for some reason. Not baseball, football, basketball. Or, nope. Very, very good. And has a brother. Top of his profession. Top.
0: Yeah. One of the Klitschko brothers?
3: No. No.
1: Oh, oh, oh. that other
3: guy. Tyson uh, Fury. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Got a unique personality, big guy. Okay. Uh, Good, you know, interesting backstory. Not exactly jacked. (laughs) You know, he he somehow gets it done. Got a got a sense of humor there for some reason. That's who the Joker reminds me of is Tyson Fury. Okay. All right. Bloop. Yeah. We'll give you one. Well, that, that sounded like a courtesy bloop.
2: Well, no, it was a yeah, all right. We'll give you a, it didn't feel like anybody was
3: stepping up with a bloop, and maybe you wanted one. Okay. Yeah, if Colin Cowherd came up with that, you'd be like, okay, all right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Be yeah. like, man, you gotta hear what he said. To yeah. That. I always do that. You know that. I always do that. Colin always has these these analogies. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, it reminds me of Steve Jobs, and I'll be like, what? And I'd be like, yeah. I go, okay. <laughs>
2: It reminds me of Jeff
3: Bezos's girlfriend,
2: huh? <laughs> yes, Mark. He'll go back to the real estate market, and audio, and that's how Ben Simmons is the best player in the <laughs> NBA. Really?
3: That's amazing. Uh, gotta give him credit. You know those analogies. Yes, Paulie.
1: I don't know if this is exact player copy. <laughs> the guy I was thinking about the other day when I was watching the Joker was, if and this is old, this is dated. Danny Manning when he was at Kansas. He was the big guy, and he was the focal point, and everything ran through him. Mm. And whenever the game got tight, it was like Danny Manning was not the most selfish player. And if he didn't get any injuries, he'd have been a real nice NBA player. Yeah. But when he was at Kansas, he was this big guy, and you're like, He's not the, he can't jump out of the gym. He didn't look completely jacked, but he just crushed people, Danny Manning, in college. Yeah. And the, the whole offense ran through him.
3: Danny and the miracles. Yeah. I got a chance to cover that, and I just remember the other teams had more talent Was that uh, was Pritchard on that and Scooter Barry on that? Milton Newton was
1: Milton could play. He had some compression shorts. I remember he wore (laughs) first guy with compression shorts. (laughs) Scooter Barry, yeah, yeah. Pritchard, uh, but that that team
3: and you're going all right. They're somehow going to win this thing. And Danny Manning was uh, the biggest reason why. But but uh, Nuggets fans, go ahead. You know, take your victory lap today.
2: Yes, Todd. How about John Daly as a comp at his peak? Someone that has a unique approach to his sport. To look at him, you wouldn't think there's anything particularly athletic about the guy. Okay. Yet he accomplished some shockingly big things during his career. Okay, yeah.
3: I don't know if uh, Joker has demons and vices like John does, but uh, yeah, coming out of nowhere when he won the uh, PGA Championship at Crooked Stick, I still look back on that story. And I think he was the eighth alternate. And Nick Price, I think. He uh, wasn't able to play in the PGA Championship, and his caddy caddied for John Daly, but John was the eighth alternate and ended up winning PGA Championship. Like, you talk about Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. Those odds aren't anywhere near John Daly. A, a, just eighth alternate, just to get in. Yeah, Paulie.
1: Buster Douglas was scheduled to be in the fight versus Tyson for months in advance. Yeah. John <laughs> Daly found out on, like, Tuesday he was going to be in the PGA.
3: Yeah. Well, he would have probably been a Monday qualifier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he yeah. didn't
1: he have. A, didn't he drive down and he had to like nowhere to
4: stay or yeah, something?
1: Yeah, I think so. That it, might be the all time. You had no idea the person's name the week before, because Buster Douglas had fought. He he, he was actually yeah. a somewhat contending. Fight.
3: Yes, yes. That that he had a resume. Yeah, John, we had no idea, and then you saw that haircut, uh, the way you know he'd smoking heaters, and he had that uh, sort of mustache there. The way way he he, he hit the ball. I I did a story on John Daly where I went to see him, and uh, we played golf. And I remember he had an Arkansas Razorback golf ball, but he was hitting the ball over 300 yards. And I said, is that the best feeling ever? And he goes, no. I said, well, what's better than hitting the ball 300 yards? He goes, "Sex." (laughs) (laughs) I said, oh, okay, all right. But to him, it was natural that he would hit the ball that far. And uh, plus, not fun to play with because John had no patience. You'd get ready to, you know, take a swing and he'd be walking right in front of you. And I'd be, I said, John, I'm not good enough. Don't be doing that. I could hit you because I trust you. But, you know, he'd be having diet coats, Cokes and uh, smoking heaters. All right, uh, what's the poll question we're going with, Seton? Dan,
4: we put up uh, a poll question based on the Oakland A's right now. Oh, the new and improved my Oakland A's. Better protest strategy, a quiet, empty stadium (laughs) or a
5: full,
3: angry stadium? The Oakland A's scored in the seventh and eighth inning. They beat Tampa again. They won seven in a row. And uh, they had a reverse protest where fans showed up. Almost uh, 30,000 showed up. And uh, here is the uh, final call last night against the Rays. And it swung on and missed, and the A's have won it on a night of incredible emotion and with the unprecedented nature of the night, the Oakland A's have beaten the Tampa Bay Rays by the final of two to one. But. On the same day, uh, Vegas approved the uh, financing for a new stadium as the uh, Oakland A's moving to Vegas. What, if, what How about this? If they make, the, like the, the movie Major, Major League, if they make the playoffs, they get to stay. Can we do that? How about a tune-in factor for Major League Baseball with the Oakland A's? You say to the commissioner, hey, commissioner, that's pretty good. It would be a good story. If the Oakland A's make the postseason, they get to stay. Yeah, Paul. It, it, it's somewhat <laughs>
1: like soccer, relegation, and promotion, but instead of, it'd be relocation. Yeah. How many games are there? Okay, they're 23 and a half out.
3: That's we're, not bad. A lot of season left. There okay. 26
1: out a week ago. No
3: chance or low chance? Of playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you going no chance? Nah, I'm going to go low chance. Okay, yeah. Go Always chance. go low
1: chance. It really hurts having the Rangers in the division. Never go no <laughs> chance.
3: Well, as long as the Angels keep playing the Rangers, that's good. Yeah.
1: The A's have won seven straight.
3: Yeah. And have they gained any ground?
1: Oh, yeah. They were 26 back a week
3: ago. Okay.
1: There's striking distance.
3: Oh, but they could make that up before the
1: All-Star break. If they win 24 in a row and the Rangers (laughs) lose 24 in a row, I think they take the division.
3: Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
4: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other
3: There's nothing like a great night's sleep. Every great day starts the night before. Quality sleep can help boost your reaction time and recovery time and performance. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your one-of-a-kind, ever-evolving sleep needs. So, how do you take it to the next level? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you choose the ideal comfort, the firmness on each side. Two beds in one, that's your sleep number. Mine is 75. The beds automatically respond and adjust your movements. So you stay sleeping comfortably all night long. Amazing after a tough workout. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep. They provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. It's like having a coach for a great night's sleep. And right now during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. See Store for details. Final hour on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danette. Dan Patrick show will take you to Los Angeles through the magic of radio and TV. If you're watching on Peacock, our streaming partner, thank you for downloading the app. Also, uh, we'll talk to Brandel Chambly as we get ready for the US Open available on NBC, USA, and Peacock starting tomorrow. I did like that Rory and Brooks Kepka are paired together. It will be a challenge. Rear. That golf course will be a great challenge. Uh, 877 3dp show, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dp show. Congrats to the Vegas Golden Knights. After six long years, they finally won the Stanley Cup. Imagine if you're, uh, eight years of age and, you know, you, most of my life I've been waiting for the Golden Knights <laughs> to win and they finally did it. You know that there's some kid in Boston who went through that period where the Red Sox and the Celtics and the Bruins, everybody was winning. And there was a window where you're like, if you went two years without winning a championship there, it's like, oh, my God, what a drought. You get spoiled
2: growing up. Yeah, Marv. Yeah, the Sox are like, get rid of uh, Terry Francona. I was like, (laughs) you guys are so ungrateful.
3: Uh, final results of the poll question from hour two seat. And what are we going with uh, final hour here? By the way, it was on this day uh, tonight that Michael Jordan had 45 points, including the game winner as the Bulls beat the Jazz in the NBA finals in six games. Bob Costas was on the call. Bob will join us coming up here momentarily.
4: We had yep. up there better protest strategy, a quiet, empty stadium or a full, angry stadium. Uh, right now we've got 54% of the votes say quiet, empty stadium is a better way to protest.
3: We started the show, uh, we christened the uh, Golden Knights winning, but we also talked about the Bills situation because this isn't one of those, let's make up some drama here, it's June and we need some talking points here. We need some, uh, you know, hot takes. Here's Josh Allen talking about his relationship with his star receiver, Stefan Diggs.
1: Internally, we're we're working on some things. Um not football related, um, but you know, Steph, he's my guy. I,
3: I excuse my I love him. He's, he's a brother of mine. You know, this does not work what we're doing here without him. You know, we, we, we wish he was in here today and
1: was out there on the field with us, and that's, that's not the case, but I've got his back no matter what.
3: The fact that it's not football related is what's concerning here because you can figure out football. And something changed when Josh Allen got hurt, hurt his elbow, and the offense changed after the ninth game. But you get to the playoffs, and you had the altercation or incident on the sidelines where Josh Allen is looking at his tablet. Stefan Diggs is kind of calling him out there. But the fact that they didn't remedy this during the summer, I find that very, very surprising. And it is concerning. And that's what Sean McDermott, their head coach, had to say. 877 3DP Show, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Bob Costas, Hall of Fame broadcaster, was on the call 25 years ago tonight. We thought Michael Jordan's final shot, and Bob has uh, said that that was not exactly a push off by Michael Jordan. That's like a Maitre D showing you to your table. Bob, I still, I, that, I've never been shown to my table by a Maitre D where I nearly fell over so i'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with uh, that description.
5: Yeah, but Dan, he wasn't falling because of the very light push. He was already <laughs> stumbling because because Michael had faked him out of his sneakers. That's kind of what happened. If that happens in the second quarter of a regular season game, nobody even disputes. No one turns and says, "Hey, wait, that was a push off. Nothing. It, it's because of where it happened who it happened to, one of the most iconic moments in in the history of sports. Forget about the NBA. If Utah has a gripe, and they do in that game, there was no replay then. In the first half, Howard Isley hit a three that was waved off as a shot clock violation, and we had it on NBC. It's out of his hands before the clock hits zero. So that's three points taken away from Utah. Later in the game, Ron Harper hits a two. That did not beat the shot clock and it was allowed. Now that's a five point that's a five point swing. Of course when people say it's like, oh well, if that guy wasn't thrown out trying to steal second base and the next guy Homers, it would have been a two run Homer. That's not necessarily logical because if the circumstances are different, maybe what happens subsequently plays out differently. But in a game that was that close, you take five points away from Utah, they have a case that maybe they could have played a game seven in Utah a few nights later.
3: And I also go back to the play that's forgotten, and it's equally as impressive as Jordan Steele and Carl Malone that led to the game-winning shot.
5: Yeah, he's being guarded by Rodman, and uh, according to Michael's subsequent testimony, um, he came around from the side and Malone never saw him. Michael left his guy along the baseline, and Malone is preoccupied with Rodman, and Michael comes from the other side and slaps it away.
3: Yeah, and then that led to, what, five seconds to go where he hits the jumper. Um, as you guys were game planning, after he makes the steal, and then there's a timeout, I believe, and then uh-huh. what is being discussed by you guys uh, in, in the anticipate? Because we've seen Steve Kerr hit a game-winning shot. John Paxson uh-huh. hit a game-winning shot. Is everybody in unison that this is going to be Michael Jordan taking the shot?
5: Yeah, pretty much, because when he stole a ball, uh, he then has it, and no one else touched it. And when you think about it, what's surprising about that? Pippen's hobbling around with a bad back. He's Michael Jordan. He's going to take that shot. He didn't pass it to anybody. He had it the whole time. He took it out of out of the backcourt, into the front court, made the shot over Russell. But when he makes the shot, there's 5.2 seconds left. So even though the Bulls are up by one, Whatever you say, uh, the possibility that this is a championship-winning shot, the possibility that the last shot Michael Jordan will ever take in his NBA career, which briefly turned out to be true until he came back with the Wizards for an encore, uh, that's a possibility, but it's certainly not a certainty because there's still five seconds left, and Utah could score. And Stockton got a decent look. Um, Harper was guarding him, as I remember, uh, had a hand in his face. He got a decent look, and as I remember, it hit the back iron, but it was kind of on target. So if that goes in, they play a game seven on on Utah's home
3: floor. Take us back, and and I apologize. I thought for some reason when Jordan made the steal that they would have called a timeout. Then, but no, you know, no, no timeout. Yeah, that's interesting strategy. But you know, strategy always helps when you have Michael Jordan. We're talking to yep. Bob Costas, who was on the call. Let's go back to the flu game. What did you know? Prior to the game, as you know, Michael's condition and why he was in that condition.
5: You know, I didn't work the '97 playoffs. Uh, I had I had taken a hiatus, courtesy of my my good friend and patron uh, Dick Ebersol. So Marv's doing the game, um, okay. and I think Hannah Storm's doing doing the pre and post. Of course, I watched every minute of it, uh, and I find out later, and it's a big part of the last dance. You know, did he have? the flu or did he have food poisoning and if you've ever had food poisoning dan which i have had a couple of times that's as as bad as you can feel knowing for a fact that you will not die you know so if it was food poisoning i think it's even worse than, than if he had merely had quote
3: the flu when you think of jordan's career it's almost like it it grows, it's like babe ruth it 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 tends to grow, yep. it, you know metastasizes uh mm-hmm. they're just what is it about that, like Mickey Mantle's legacy, there's so many of these athletes where you you may not remember them being as great as they were in the moment, but then, as we kind of move farther and farther away, does LeBron get the benefit of this, do you think the way Michael Jordan has
5: no, not as much, through no fault of lebron's you can make a very strong statistical case for LeBron uh, in a LeBron-Michael uh, comparison. And LeBron, discounting centers, because I've always felt, we've talked about this before, they're in a separate category. How do you compare Wilt or Russell or Kareem or Elijah Wan or a healthy Bill Walton or whomever? How do you compare Shaq? How do you compare them to forwards and guards? But LeBron never comes out these days any worse than number two behind Jordan in that comparison. But what LeBron does not have is as many iconic moments that are replayed almost on a loop and are in everyone's imagination, including those who didn't see it firsthand, going all the way back to the game-winning shot for North Carolina in 82 against Georgetown, and then being the centerpiece of the first dream team, and then all those postseason moments, most of them in the finals, but even the shot on Elo in an earlier round of the playoffs against the Cavaliers, so many of those moments Uh, and the iconic commercials, Be Like Mike, and just thinking about the game we're talking about now, that is still the highest-rated game in NBA history. And the ratings for those games during the 80s and 90s on CBS, Bird Magic, and then, uh, I'm sorry, during the 80s on CBS, then in the 90s on NBC, the ratings for those games generally dwarf the ratings that uh, NBA games get now, and many of those NBA games are on cable rather than over-the-air broadcast television. And that will diminish, not objectively, but in terms of the public imagination, that doesn't just diminish LeBron in comparison to Jordan or Bird or, or Magic. It will diminish Nikola Jokic. It will diminish Jimmy Butler or whomever you want to name through no fault of their own.
3: It's like Michael is Neil Armstrong. He's the first on the moon, and everybody else may land there, but Mike was the first there to plant the flag. Bob uh, will be doing an hour-long interview with Albert Pujols later today for MLB Network, and uh, air to be determined. There, Uh, a couple of baseball questions. Uh, We're well into the uh, pitch clock. Uh, How do you Mm -hmm. feel?
5: I think, in general, all the changes have been tremendously successful. I've had a few players and managers tell me that they think 15 seconds with no one on base is a little quick, and they'd prefer a uniform 20 seconds. Nobody on and with men on base, a uniform 20 seconds. But I haven't heard anybody dispute the general idea that the pitch clock, banning shifts, the two pickoff throws per at-bat, which lets a base runner be a bit more adventurous. Uh, It's nearly unanimous that this is not just okay but it's a rousing success.
3: The A's moving to Vegas, does Vegas take the A's out of the Oakland? They're taking the A's out of Oakland, but do they take the nickname?
5: Well, if they keep the nickname, then the A's become the first team in MLB history to have the same name in four different locations, (laughs) breaking a tie they had with the Braves. The Braves and the A's are the only ones with three. The Braves were in Boston, in Milwaukee, and now for a long time in Atlanta. And the A's were in Philadelphia, Kansas City, Oakland, and now perhaps in Vegas. But last night, I'm sure you saw this, Dan, and maybe you mentioned it earlier uh, this morning. The The A's had a, a reverse boycott night or whatever they yeah, were calling protest. it last night. The, yeah. yeah, the fans... Fans came out, and the idea was let's fill the stadium or or at least have much larger crowds than we've generally been drawing to show that there's support there if we had reason to have faith in the team. And then throughout the game, they're chanting, sell the team. Meanwhile, this team that was threatening the worst record of all time for a season, like making the, the 62 Mets look like a juggernaut, now they've won seven straight, so go figure.
3: And the Angels are still in the playoff race, which means as we get closer to the trade deadline, If you're tempted to trade Shohei Ohtani, um, it makes it even harder because you're in the playoff race. Um, What do you think happens with Ohtani? I don't think they
5: trade him. And if they were to trade him, it would make the haul that the Nats got for sending Juan Soto to San Diego look like a pittance. I mean, you'd have to empty your entire farm system, all your top prospects, plus throw in some players that can be useful right now. Uh, I just don't, I don't see that happening. Plus there's only a handful of teams that are realistically in the mix if he decides to leave the angels and sign with some other team as a free agent. So why would those teams want to empty their farm system if the real test is going to come as to how much money they're willing to pay him on a 10 year deal or whatever it is, uh, to sign a contract with them and some team that has no chance you to sign him beyond that time i don't think it's going to roll the dice and pay the price it would take for a midseason trade just to have a shot at a second or third wild card spot just doesn't seem to add up
3: great to talk to you as always bob thanks for joining us thanks a lot dan that's bob costas hall of fame broadcaster working for mlb network and uh, was the play-by-play voice of the nba on nbc from 1997 through 1999 2000 season and uh E me, I thought when Jordan made the steal that there was a timeout and Phil Jackson let him go in transition and then he hits the jumper there. I, I thought it was his last shot because as I've, I've mentioned this before, Jordan would always say through their PR person with the Bulls, Hey, I'll talk to you when we win the championship. So we were guaranteed Mike was going to come on Sports Center and I was there to do the interview. He said, when we w- when we win the championship, I'll come in. Now, sometimes in other series, uh, other finals, he did come in, uh, you know, maybe after a big game. We would always request him and uh, Phil Jackson. But Michael comes in and he's got his shoes off. He's got a, uh, uh, a Cuban cigar and he's got the basketball's jersey is out and he comes in. And I think that's the last time that we're gonna see him as a basketball player. So much so when he left the room, as he left, I go, It's a shame you're retiring because I want to I'd love to have a piece of you. And he turns and it's as if the game is still going on. God, I'll never forget this. He turns. He goes, What'd you say? I said, I man, I'd love a, a I'd love a piece of you, like to play you one on one. I mean, I'm just joking. We're during a commercial break. I'm Phil Jackson sitting there. He goes, stand up. So I have my suit and tie on. I put the microphone down. Phil Jackson's there waiting for us to come back from commercial break. How the bleep would you guard me? So I got my suit and tie on. He's covered in champagne. And I put my forearm in his back and he'd go and he just tore into me. He goes, I would bleep-dee, 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 bleep. And then he walked out the door. And then I go over and I sit down. And Phil Jackson there, and he's looking at me, goes, see what I dealt with? And I was like, oh, my God. We come out of commercial break. and Phil Jackson joining us now. Meanwhile, Mike, Mike left a lasting imprint on me that, man, you turn it on, boom. It's off. We just won. I think his career is over. And I'm just in a passing comment. Stand up, and I went, "Uh oh!
2: <laughs>
3: How the bleep would you guard me? Uh, put a forearm right here in your... Oh, it's body. like this,
2: <laughs> I think." Yes, Mark. Did you think to yourself, "Wow, this guy's a psycho"?
3: No, but I understood it. Uh, you know, I I don't think he was going to suffer fools like, "Oh yeah, you you know you maybe you could have gotten your shot off against me or something like that." But I was just kind of joking because I didn't know if that was his last game. But it was my way of asking that by saying, yeah, it's a shame. You're going to retire. I'd like a piece of you. What? Stand up. How would you bleep and guard me? And I did the forearm bar. Yes, Mark.
2: <laughs> he was retired. A Chicago Bulls rookie was talking you know, smack about him. He came. To the practice facility and yeah. played him one on one. There's a uh, video yeah, on YouTube, yeah, and he's like, "Look at all these banners around you." I know. It's because of me. <laughs> I was like, "This dude's sitting on a golf course and comes back and plays one on one pickup with some unknown rookie."
3: <sighs> I would like to, you know, do a shooting contest with Michael and Bad Larry. Yeah, well, Bad Larry, our gambling podcast, said that he could uh, take Michael Jordan if they shot uh, foul line jumpers for a thousand dollars for each shot. Bad Larry said he'd beat Michael Jordan. He goes, yeah, hey, he wasn't that good a shooter. I said, he was guarded by some of the greatest athletes on the planet, and he shot 49% and 83 from the line. Like, what are you talking about, Ben? But I I, I would like to, you know, a shot at Mike. Todd, would you see if Michael Jordan, he doesn't even have to do an interview. Yeah. I'll just meet him someplace, and we'll shoot uh, – uh, jumpers,
1: a Reasonable request.
3: You know, foul line jumpers. And uh, how about $1,000? Uh, we'll shoot 15 of them. Yeah, Paul.
1: Want to play a quick game? Do we even get a response to this email? No, we don't. Not even a... Todd, no. No.
3: <laughs> no, you know what? You can't do it because I don't think they have a sense of humor when we do these things with Michael Jordan, his, his people.
1: We don't want to hurt our chances of getting on the show.
3: <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that at this juncture. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have no shot to get, no low shot to get him. Not no shot. Yes, Paul. I,
1: I do have something for you on the Michael Jordan situation. What do you mean? I think I mentioned this to you, but I'm, I'll save it. Okay. Until after the commercial break? Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. it
3: is it good enough to tease the audience that... No, probably oh, not. Oh, it's not. Okay. It's decent, though. Randall Chambly will join us. it be interesting to hear his thoughts when he first heard the announcement that the merger was taking place, given his... Uh, comments about the live tour and we'll talk about just how challenging this u.s open is going to be we're back after this in the dan patrick show thanks for listening to the dan patrick show podcast be sure to catch us live every weekday morning nine until noon eastern six to nine pacific on fox sports radio and you can find us on the iheart radio app at fsr or stream us live on the peacock
4: app
3: Golf's biggest stars head out to Hollywood. They're already there. LACC capture the sport's third major championship. U.S. Open starts tomorrow. NBC, USA, and Peacock. Before we get to Brandel Chambly. Paulie said that uh,
1: we had an update on Michael Jordan. Kind of. I, I Maybe I didn't mention this about about three years ago. Do you, so one of the things we've always wanted to have Michael Jordan do a sit-down on this show, a good yeah. half hour, hour, yeah. Yeah. whatever. You've always said that's it. That's the, the big one. That'd be fun. Yeah. So... Remember, it was about three years ago when the Jordan documentary came out, right? Okay. And we know the guy who directed it and put yes. it all together. And there was this little event wrapping it up, and I did a little pop-by, and I met a few people that were my, deep inner circle people with Michael Jordan, okay. like inner circle, okay. people that approved things in the documentary, okay. gatekeepers to all things Michael Jordan. Right. I was talking to one of these people, and I conveyed to them, I go, hey, so one of the things we'd always wanted to do, <laughs> and it was a calm conversation. It was a nice conversation, and I just dropped it in. We'd always We'd love to have Michael... Do a mm-hmm. hangout, sit down at some point. Yeah. And the person goes, ah, That was the response. Oh, okay. Which is rarely good when you ask for yeah. something. Yeah. And, and I said, Well, I go, you know, I'm not talking tomorrow. I'm saying before the show is over. I said, You know, between you and I, before Dan retires, let's get this done. It, it was more like, Hey, let's do this. Okay. And the person looked at me and they said, and, and this person goes, Is Dan retiring? Like, is Dan retiring in the near future? I if go, no, it no.
3: meant that we could get Michael, then I'd retire you right now. It. Yeah,
1: you'd announce it. Yeah, I said no, no, no. But I go, I will give you like a good six months heads up. Okay, and she goes, give me, give me a heads
3: up. Okay,
1: and I would say it went from five percent to thirty percent.
3: So it wasn't a no chance; it was a low chance.
1: I think it. Yeah.
3: I now think there's was, a possibility.
1: Yeah, I'd say thirty percent. Okay. Possibly 35. All right, so you're saying we got a shot. Yeah, back to you.
3: Brando Shambley, Golf Channel lead studio analyst. He's out of the studio, and he's at LACC, one of my favorite golf courses, the North of course. Um, He joins us now on the program. Brando, what would you shoot if you played LACC? From the tips? Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd probably have a hard time breaking 80. Yeah, I think there are a lot of golfers that are going to have a hard time trying to break 80. I think that that's a tough golf course, but this is what the U.S. Open wants. Is that correct, that par is going to be your friend?
6: Yeah, it's a spectacular design, Dan, if you've played it. Uh, You know, it's all the buzz. You know, this is a town that likes a good nip and tuck, uh, and this golf course (laughs) has had a nip and tuck, so to speak, It's had a... (laughs) <laughs> in the golf architecture world, uh, a, a far and wide lauded nip and tuck. Uh, and it's architectural eye candy. But uh, I think it's going to play spectacularly for the players. Big, wide fairways for the most part. But if you miss the fairways, you're going to pay a tough price. But it's the green complexes that are just out of this world. If this golf course were on the ocean, uh, it'd probably be ranked, if not the best golf course in the world, right there behind Pine Valley.
3: Yeah, I agree. I have played it a few times and I'm just playing from the member tees and it's challenging. But I I told the audience, you'll be surprised that the Rolling Hills, like there you're not getting flat lies there. That it's it's got far more undulation than you would expect at a golf course out there.
6: That's true. I mean, people whose job it is to 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 dwell on architecture and so forth say that this is probably the best parkland site imaginable for an architect and you know obviously this was a hundred or so years ago it's gil hans's line gil hans said that this golf course uh, i believe it's you know it's, it's paraphrasing a little bit but i think he said this was the finest architecture that he's ever seen and he's hmm. he's seen more than his share
3: um and then you start to figure out who's a favorite at, at an event like this, um, I know that Scotty Scheffler, DraftKings has him as the favorite. Then John Rahm and then Rory and Brooks are thrown in there, and Patrick Cantlay. What do you think of uh, that lineup there?
6: I think DraftKings nailed it. Uh, you know, like, you, you always look at the best players, but when you get to a venue like this where the fairways are so wide uh, and there's there's ample room to just air it out for the best drivers and the longest hitters in the game. But then there's this there's this really uh, high demand for precision coming into these greens. I mean, they're, they're small targets. They're angled. There's a big, big price to pay if you miss them. And Scotty Scheffler right now is, he's almost as far just in terms of ball striking. The distance between him and everybody else is, is almost Tiger 2000 and everybody else oh in terms of ball striking. So Scheffler leads, you know, strokes gain off the tee, leads strokes gain approach. Uh, you know, he has more greens than anybody. You know, at the memorial, it was the second best performance ever. Strokes game, T to green, and he didn't win because he's just, well, he's he's putting like you and me probably. Uh, if he just putts decent, just decent, uh, he should win this event. He could win it going away.
3: We're talking to Brandel Chambly, and you can have uh, the coverage, the U.S. Open. It'll be from Los Angeles, LACC. It'll be on NBC. Uh, also, the uh, wrap-up show that is a wonderful show that Brandel's there with Rich Lerner and company. That's uh, after every round. You can see it nightly. The drama from last week, the fallout, and mm-hmm. you've had time to soak this in. Has How has that time period helped or hurt your thoughts on this merger with Liv and PJ Tour?
6: Well, I'm sure like everybody that heard this, they thought they were being punked. Uh, I did, for sure. Uh, but now that I've had some time to talk to the people that were really close to this deal, you know, I said the other night that probably the second worst thing that could happen to golf is if this deal went through. And probably the worst thing that could happen to golf is if it didn't go through. Uh, the plight of the PGA oh. tour was such that, you know, they were hemorrhaging money in legal fees and also in trying to sustain these, these purses to compete with live to keep players from being poached and going over to live. Uh, they weren't supported by the ratings. The ratings are fine in golf. Uh, golf's in a great spot. But they don't justify twenty-five million-dollar purses, and the reward expectations of the tour players have been resus- reset—I should say—to unsustainable levels. Um, so when you when you look at the economics and you look at the fact that Live was not going to go anywhere, the Saudis weren't going to go anywhere, it seems you know more understandable the deal was made. But there's still this impression that the tour sold the professional game to the Saudis, and that is the pervading impression in all of golf right now.
3: Do you believe that?
6: Well, when you dig into the details, not the, not the actual PGA Tours, we know it, this investment arm that they've created, this, this, uh, this new entity that's yet to have any specific goals. Uh, yeah, you know, and, the, and look, the Saudis came into the European Tour as just a, a tournament. And the next thing you know, they wanted to run everything. And so now they're in the room uh as the majority investor um i think it's pretty easy to look down the line and think that they could they could exercise undue influence in the game of golf and when you consider that there were other economic solutions no doubt i know of the economic solutions i've talked to people that all, have offered the pga tour some money and everybody gets enamored with this 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 pif this pif fund for having 650 billion dollars and they're quick to say that they have all the money in the world but you know, I've talked to a lot of financial people in the last week, and they laugh at that. They're like, there is $140 trillion of good, clean, somewhat honest money all around the globe. And a lot of it is very interested in aligning themselves with the PGA Tour. So there are other good, clean economic solutions that the PGA Tour could have considered. And if the deal doesn't go through, I'd say it's back on the table. Uh, and I think that would be far more amenable to, uh, to the Gulf public. Uh, and to the tour
3: players, I've tried to approach this as just a golf fan that I don't think they had altruistic motives starting the live tour. And Greg Norman, he wanted he had a vendetta against the PGA tour. So I was disappointed. You can take the money. I don't care. Go take the money. But I only cared about watching golf. I wanted to see the best players. And I'm wondering what the game is going to be like in three years from now.
6: Well if the deal goes through it's likely that uh, LIV will be dissolved and the players that had played on LIV will have to sort of work their way back into the PGA Tour they'll have to pay a fine a substantial fine no doubt but it would be great to have Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson back it'd be great to have Phil Mickelson back it would be look i mean these are interesting players they were poached for a reason they had tremendous appeal but if the deal doesn't go through, Dan, then your guess is almost as good as mine, because if the deal doesn't go through, innumerable things could happen, a lot of them bad. Uh, players that felt betrayed could jump ship, yeah. go to live, uh, give them more leverage. It could go that way. It could go the way mm. that I, I sort of hinted at a minute ago. Uh, all of this economic uh, investment, these economic solutions that by and large is, is, let's say, just a lot cleaner than the Saudi money could come into the game and stave off those petitions. Uh, potential defections uh, but if it doesn't go through your guess is as good as mine
3: what's have you crossed paths with brooks kepka he had the line soon as it came out welfare check on Chambly. uh you know phil mickelson has had some problems with you do you do you cross paths with these guys at the u.s open i walked the course
6: uh, a couple of days ago in the uh, right behind phil all day long uh you know if i i look i had would asked him to come up on the set he wanted to come up on the set and debate. And talk about Liv. I said, look, the seat's always welcome for you. Love to have you up. Uh, you know, at least from my view, if maybe there was something I didn't know about Liv, he could come up because he's so invested in it. He could sell it, maybe make more money for everybody on those teams. I would be interested to hear the teams. He said, look, I, I don't want to help you guys make any money. I'm not coming up. So he offered, <laughs> uh, he offered, he offered a, poor, a Pierce Morgan interview, which coincides with the U.S. Women's Open, which I'm working so I had friends of mine reach out to him. I said, look, I'll sit down with you on a podcast anytime, anywhere, and talk about Live all you want. Uh, but, you know, look, they're going to take their shots at me. The day they took their shots at me was, what was that? That was the Tuesday the day it came out, which was ironic, really, because, you know, the next day in talking to the people that had a lot to do with this deal, like, if this deal goes through, Liv's going to die. Those guys could, could very easily just have lost their jobs, lost uh, at least one-third of their contract money, and have to then come back, and their boss would be whoever the commissioner of the PGA Tour is. When you know, there was news yesterday that that Jay's uh, taken some time away to deal with some health issues, and we certainly wish him the best. Uh, but let's say Jay recuperates and is still at the helm, they have to come through Jay Monahan, who you know I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be too lenient in dishing out their fines to come back, because you could make the argument, I certainly make it, that they've charged they've they've harmed the PGA Tour in in, a, in irreparable ways.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm just like, how much can you find Brooks Kepka if he wants to come back to the PGA Tour?
6: Well, it's been floated around. I think everybody pretty much knows uh, what he left for. So take the taxes away and there's your fine. <laughs> you, know, you, 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 you can't irreparably damage the PGA Tour benefit financially from it. Be involved in legal issues along the way, which cost the PGA Tour loads of money, which otherwise would have been reinvested in the tour or pension funds or purses uh, and expect to come back and still have the upper hand financially with the people you're competing against.
3: But could you see Rory getting equity in the PGA Tour and John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler?
6: You know, that's the thing. Look, if if this deal doesn't go through and I was reading today just before I came on your show, uh, CNBC was reporting that PGA Tour players are considering outside bankers to take a look at this deal. Any outside bankers or investment that may come into the PGA Tour, I would say, would be a heck of a lot more rational than the investment from the Saudi side. And the reward expectations, as I just said a little while ago, have been reset amongst PGA Tour players to unsustainable levels. And to re-anchor those reward ex- expectations uh, to reality uh, is going to be difficult to do. But any investor that comes in is not going to say, look, you're we, we not playing for $25 million purses unless the ratings support that. These people would understandably want to profit, whereas all that the Saudis wanted was to launder their reputation, which if the deal goes through and you have uh, the head of the Saudi investment fund on the PGA Tour board, I would say job well done. You did it. You've laundered the reputation of uh, a reprehensible, unconscionable uh, regime.
3: Are you welcomed in Saudi Arabia?
6: I don't plan on going to Riyadh Riyad anytime okay. soon. But I, I'm just you know, curious. About, but look, I, I think, you know, it's, it, this is not about the Saudi people. I, I have no doubt they're exactly like us. They're, You know, the, the vast majority of them want to have a job, uh, want to have good health care, raise the kids, put food on the table and have a nice time in the evenings. I, I'm talking about the apocalyptic, apocalyptically radical uh, uh, leaders and, and in particular MBS who, uh, you know, his, his human rights record is, is, is not particularly good.
3: Play nice this week, okay?
6: <laughs> I, I hope we'll have a controversy-free r- week. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no.
3: You want controversy? <laughs> you, you, you want that on the course? You want that,
6: right? Yeah, on the course. On the course, of course. But I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, some nice, quiet evenings. You know, where my phone's not going. <laughs> <laughs> my wife would appreciate that.
3: Maybe, maybe Mickelson just sneaks by one time and uh, stops by the set.
6: He's always welcome on the set. I'm sure he is. For all our conflicts, (laughs) for all our conflicts, I I quite enjoy the man's golf.
3: Uh, Great to talk to you, Brando. Have fun. We'll be watching. That's Brando Shambley, Golf Channel lead analyst, and uh, they'll be on coverage uh, this entire weekend, nearly 20 hours of weekend coverage on NBC and, of course, Golf Channel, and the uh, wrap-up shows. They have championship coverage Thursday and Friday from 4 to 6 Eastern. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the
4: Peacock app. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride.
1: Eligible items only. Exclusions
4: apply.
0: When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or,
4: Shoot that! Shoot that!